Welcome to the Soulless Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our passion as a church community is to see Jesus at the center of all things. For more sermon content and information, check out soullesschurch.com. Good morning. So great to be with everyone. Um, my name's Tim. Yeah, thankful for that very kind and long introduction. Um, yeah, feel very loved by Andrew and Solis, and I, I love this community. It's my first time here, but I feel like I'm already a part of it because I've been praying for this church for years, following you guys online, listening to the teachings, connecting with Andrew pretty regularly, and just hearing all about the amazing things God's doing here. So anyways, why don't we pray and we get into the Word? We've got a lot of different like verses. We're not going to be like going through a chapter of the Bible. I know you guys are in Ephesians. Ephesians has been really good, been listening to that. But we're not going to be in Ephesians today. We'll be in several different scriptures. But let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, uh, Lord, what you're doing here in this community. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in Solace Church. Thank you for this honor and privilege to be here with uh, this family of faith, Lord, and to study your word together. We invite you, Lord, to speak to each one of us. Prepare our hearts, God. Minister to us. We need you, Lord. We, without you, we can't do anything. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So I don't need to introduce myself. That was, you guys already saw the video and stuff. So you know uh, who I am, where I'm from. Really love to chat with you guys after and hang out for a bit. Looking forward to that. Happy Father's Day. So how many fathers do we have in the house? Okay, quite a bit, quite a bit. Cool, cool. So when Andrew and I started talking about, you know, this weekend, I'm like, hey, I'll be in Florida. I'd love to come visit. And then it was actually, I think, the week right after Mother's Day, and he was like, hey, you're going to be there for Father's Day, so think and pray through something, maybe a message to, for Father's Day, something special. And it was funny, because I started thinking, since Mother's Day had just finished, so I, I think it was literally the day after, and I'm thinking about how church, the differences between Mother's Day and Father's Day in churches is hilarious. Everyone's laughing because they already know what I'm talking about. So Mother's Day, you walk in, flowers, decorations, photo booth, chocolate, words of affirmation, hugs, tears. We need you. We love you. We honor you. And just like so much love for the moms. Not saying we don't love dads, but so you, you you get it though, right? So there's the photo booth. There's the decorations. There's all these little details for the ladies to make them just feel honored and loved. And just uh, the message is usually an extended a message with a word of affirmation for the ladies, but then Father's Day is hilarious. Um, you got the normal standard black curtains. No, no, I don't see no flowers. Nice prayer, prayed for the men, prayed for the fathers. I was thankful for that. Um, but there's and the words of affirmation for the women, and usually for the men, it's like, hey, we honor you, we love you. You guys are doing good, kind of, but you you you, you can do better. Man up. It, it, and so it's like, for the women, you know, you get those words of affirmation while the men and the fathers were getting those words of exhortation of, hey, step up, man up, be better, you can, you should, let's do it together, amen. And so anyways, um, this is it, yeah, amen, right? So, so all that to say is, um, and we need that as men, and it's happy Father's Day to all you men. But we, we need that exhortation. We need that. Then the women need the words of affirmation. That's how the Lord wired us. He wired us differently. And so, anyways, as we get into the word today, you know, I want this to be also a message that's an encouragement for everyone. Because if, if I'm here speaking straight to fathers, you know, this isn't a parenting conference. This isn't a men's conference. 
Sunday morning, everyone came here with the heart and desire to be encouraged by God's word, right? Is that why we're here? Yeah? Encouraged, exhorted, corrected, instructed in, in the word of the Lord, the way of the Lord. So, yeah, so, so this, we're going to be, maybe I'll put a little more emphasis on speaking to the men and the fathers. It is Father's Day. But this, is, this message we're going to look at today, it, it's a message for all of us, men, women, you know, mothers, fathers, single, married, and it's about making disciples. We're going to talk about making disciples. So, so what's the Great Commission? We're going to start with that. That's Matthew 28, 19. You all know the verse, you church people. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we're, we're to go out into all the nations and make disciples. But before we go into all nations, you know, you hear it probably before, we got to start at home. We got to start in our, our own backyard, but not just start in our own backyard. We need to start in our homes with our children, fathers. And unfortunately, you know, many times in the home, even if it's a Christian home, usually a, a lot of times is very common, not just uh, here, but also in Colombia, is, is something that, you know, the mom is the one maybe doing more of the discipling. The mom is the one that's more of the, the spiritual leader. And, and that was the case in my home growing up. I know for, for sure my mom was the one that read the Bible. My mom was the one that, I, you know, I saw her in the Word. She was, I know she was praying. I know she was on her knees. She was the one dragging us to church. And really set a spiritual example for, for me and my family. But God, you know, the word is clear for us men is that God's called us to, to be those spiritual leaders for our homes, for our children, for our wives, you know, for our community. And so today I, I want to take an, a look at an example in the Bible of, of what it looks like that relationship of, of discipleship. And, and, and so we're going to, as we're called as fathers specifically, you know, to, to make disciples of our kids. And, and all of us here are called to make disciples of all nations. And we're going to look at a, a father-son relationship, but it's not a father-son, a biological father and son, but it's a spiritual father and son. And we're going to talk a little bit about Paul and Tim, Timothy, Timoteo. And so that was in his yeah, that was Timothy's father in the faith. And, and that's where we see, we, we see those words in, in, in many of Paul's letters. 1 Corinthians 4.17 says, yeah, you guys probably won't be able to follow around just because they're one verse. You can look at the screen or write it down and look it up after. And it says, for this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Another verse uh, in 1 Timothy 1, 2, says, To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're going to look at this relationship. This is, uh, we see clearly, and not just these verses, there's many more, we'll, we'll look at some more, that this is Paul's son in the faith, Timothy. And, and Paul is, is, is that father figure for him. And so as we look at this relationship, it's, it, it, you know, Fathers, but all of us here, we can see what it looks like of not just, you know, when it comes to parenting dads, not just to raise up these good kids, you know, that go to good schools and are good little church kids, but to raise them in the Lord and make disciples. You know, many people will say when they see kids growing up, oh, wow, and it's cool for me. I haven't been back to Florida in a little bit to see a lot of young parents, you know, and a lot of little kids running around. It's a lot of fun. I've got a seven-year-old. He's really cool. And, and, you know, but when you see these kids growing up and as they start to become teenagers and even grow into like adults, you'll, you'll hear things like, oh, he's a good kid, comes from a good family. 
goes to a good school. He's on a path to have a good life, a good career, you know, a good family someday. And, and we focus on all this. Let's just have this goodness of good kid, good family, good school, good path. But does that, that doesn't really matter if they're not disciples of Jesus Christ, if they're not following Jesus. Because there's a lot of good kids that go, come from a good family and go to a good school and have this good path for their lives, but they don't love Jesus. They don't love others. They don't know Jesus. They haven't experienced the Lord. And so that's the, that's the most important question we should ask is, 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 are they disciples of Jesus? Do they love and trust him? And for fathers specifically, you know, more than just being those fun dads. And by the way, Andrew's a very fun dad. Man, these kids are blessed. Yeah, but so, so fun dads. More than just being a fun dad, a good provider, provides for your needs of your kids, a protector that's taking care of them, keeping them safe. It's more important than being a provider, protector, fun dad. It's being a spiritual father as well for our kids and being that example and making disciples of our children. And so uh, this is a good example. We're going to, as we look at this relationship a little bit today, it's a good example for, for us dads to follow as we, we make disciples of our kids. But for all the rest of you that aren't dads, it's also an example for us to follow as we just are living on mission to fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples. We can look at this relationship between Paul and Timothy, and, and, and we, can, we can learn from it and see how we can follow it. And this relationship's cool because we can see it all throughout the New Testament. You know, you see it in, in the book of Acts. is really cool because you see, um, and we'll get there in a second, where Paul and Timothy meet on Paul's second uh, missionary journey, and then he brings them along to serve with him. And then Throughout uh, his several of Paul's letters, he wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, he's always talking about Tim. There's all sorts of different verses where he's mentioned in Timothy, his relationship with him. He talks about sending him out to visit these churches. He even wrote two letters to Timothy, first and second Timothy. And so we're going to look at some of these different scriptures and try to kind of get an idea of what the relationship looks like. And, and, and we're going to get three points that are just one word each. So, and we're going to kind of look at that. And it's funny, I, I, this is hilarious. I don't really do alliteration, it's not my style, but I, I know Andrew Lundy's really into alliteration. So my three points all start with T. And I'm really excited about it. Really excited about it, because like I said, not my style, but like, hey, I'm in Solis, I have the honor of preaching from this pulpit where Andrew usually preaches with some great alliteration, great examples. And so the three practical points we're gonna look at really in, in this relationship with a disciple are just three words um, just to give you guys an idea of where we're, we're heading now is, is togetherness. That's a word, right? English is not that good. It's not normally a word you'd hear in conversation, togetherness. But we're, So we're going to look at togetherness, we're going to look at teaching, and we're going to look at training. So those are the, those are the three points that we're going to look at and as we, as we kind of study the relationship a bit and learn how we can be uh, dads that are making disciples and just a community of, of people that are living out the Great Commission. Cool? So we're going to go to Acts 16 now, and we're going to look at where their relationship began, starting with our first point of togetherness. Togetherness. So Acts 16, the first three verses, says, Then he came to Derby and Lystra. Probably not pronounced. Yeah, please forgive my English once again. I literally haven't preached in English in almost two years, so really pronunciation's not going to be that great. And so I need grace if you're sitting there judging me. Um, then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. 
Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So Paul and Silas, they're on their second missionary journey, and this section of Acts is really cool. You see Paul's travels as he's going out, planning churches, encouraging believers, and he's meeting, you know, it, it's cool. It's something that's fun, you know, when you get to do the missions things. Many of you guys have done missions trips, actually Claudia was just with me last week on a missions trip. So we have a lot of, you know, people that you guys have done missions or lived, um, you know, for seasons of, of, of doing missions work. It's cool because you get to travel to different places sometimes and meet different communities. Just like, hey, I'm here with you guys this Sunday. This is great. Or visiting these different churches and, and meeting these different groups of believers. And that's something that Paul was doing. But something special happened when he, he met Timothy because he probably met a lot of people, but not everyone, he's like, hey, why don't you come with me, you know? Imagine, uh, it, it just come up to one, you say, hey, who wants, you want to come back to, with me to Columbia on Wednesday? Who would be down? Some of, you, some of you guys have already come down there. But so, so he must have, you know, saw something in him. The Lord did something in the heart of Paul where he said, hey, you know, more than this just visit here and having this short visit with him, this young man needs some more time with you so you can really invest with him. You need to be, so you can be together with him for, for an extended time. And so, yeah, and so this is important for, for fathers who want to disciple their kids in the way of the Lord. So Paul saw the importance of, I need time together with this young man. I see something in him. I see potential. I, I, I see that he's maybe got this calling on his life, and I, and I need to get, get some time together with him so that I can help invest in him, encourage him, um, enable him, empower him, stir him up to love and good works, uh, encourage him so that he can live and become this man that God's called him to be. And so, it's so he saw the importance of being together with him. And so, like I was saying, as fathers, if, 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 if we want to disciple our kids in the way of the Lord, we need to spend time together with them. And, and this, is only this is only possible if, if we're intentional, having, uh, intentional about having that time together. It's one thing sharing a house with your kids, you know, sharing a couple meals a week, you know, you sit on the same couch and drive in the cart and just being in the same place at the same time. You're not always, doesn't mean you're always together, right? You know what I'm saying? It, we need to be present with them, not just sleeping in the same house, not just sharing a few meals, we, we, not just being around them. We need, a lot of us need to just get our faces out of, out of screens for a little while and look our kids in the eye and see how they're doing. And just have, engage in real conversation with them and, and have, take advantage of that time together with them. More than kids needing a provider, needing a protector, they need a father to be present. It's, it's such a great need. And so many fathers, even though you, know, you live in the house with your kids, you know, you do things together, you're around each other, but you're not, you don't have that, that togetherness that we're talking about here, that togetherness that Paul saw that he needed to have with Timothy when he said, hey, why don't you come with me? Let's travel together. Let's spend time together. A lot of times, dad, you know, life's crazy. Life's busy. I think most people here, you know, have a pretty full agenda. That's just how life is. And a lot of times, fathers are so busy. I want to provide for my kids, and they're working, you know, constantly working, constantly traveling, busy with different social events, and they don't plan to have that intentional time together with their children. And so the Lord did something in Paul's heart here to, to, to move him to say, hey, hey, Tim, come with me. I want, you to, I want you to come and be with me. And so 
like, like I said, he met a lot of people on his journey, and, and he didn't, we don't see him bringing everyone along, but he did that with Timothy. And in all his letters where you see the different relationships Paul had with different co-laborers in the gospel, different churches, different people, really, I don't think there's anyone else that he talks of the way he, he talks of Timothy and how much he loves him as a son in the faith. And so God brought them together for this special relationship of discipleship. They, 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 they traveled together, they lived together, they served together. You know, it's the same thing that we see in the ministry of Jesus, right? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And these men come and follow him and spend all this time together, present with Jesus, serving, doing life together, learning from him. And it, it, Christians, and Christianese, um, Christian that's the language, Christianese. In Christianese, we call it doing life together. Hey, let's just do life together, guys. Right? You heard that? So, hey, I just love doing life with you, bro. Yeah, man. You guys heard that? The doing life together? That's, that's, that's Christianese. It's, um, we, and we don't say Christianese. Christianese translates Cristianol, like Espanol, Christianol. Yeah, fun fact. That's your Spanish lesson of the day, Cristianol. Um, so anyways, so Christians call it doing life together. And this reminds me of June of 2011. Uh, Andrew, is gracious and kind and long introduction, he talks about this time, the season of life that we, we, we had the blessing of living together. And it, it is cool. So, because that, that's exactly what the Lord did in Andrew's heart with me in June of 2011. You know, that season of life, I'm just graduating high school and I've got these plans, and the Lord closed the door. I got into some trouble, and I knew I needed to follow Jesus. I didn't really know what that looked like or how, and, and I kind of was lack direction. And, and God, just as he did with Paul here, it, Paul's hard to say to Timothy, hey, come along with me. I remember a conversation where Andrew's like, hey, me and my wife are praying, and I think you should come live with us for a season. And that was exactly what I needed in, in that time, and, and thanks to the, him listening to the Spirit and opening his home. Imagine 23 years old with no kids, and they invite a punk 18-year-old kid to come live with them. That's only the work of the Spirit of God. And so they, they opened, he opened his home to me when I'm 18 to come live in his home and, and, and do life together for that season when I really need it. So, so that's why it's special for me, especially being here on Father's Day and talking about this topic, because although Andrew's just a couple years older than me, you know, he's, he's uh, for me, like a father in the faith. And, and for me, it, you know, it, actually, Judah's not in here, but before Judah was even around, I used to call Andrew dad and Brittany mom. And I was like, hey, dad, hey, mom. We were, and I, I literally joke around and call them that. So I'm technically their firstborn. <laughs> Sorry, Judah. <laughs> I, me and Judah already had this talk. He's cool with it. Um, so, yeah. But so, so this doing life together, this togetherness, it, like I said, I, I've experienced that. And not just with Andrew, with some of you here as well. The Gainies have also opened their home for me and showed me that, 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 that grace of, and hospitality and love. And, and you know, so, so many of you other people, too, that I, I've met. It, it, we've, I've done life with you in different seasons. And, and this is so important as, as if, we're, if we want to live on mission and make disciples togetherness, doing life together. This is what Paul did with Timothy. And, and it's specifically for fathers today, we need to be intentional about doing this with our children, of being together with them, being present, getting our face out of the screen, being intentional about having real conversations about important things and raising them in the way of the Lord. And so how does, 
how does discipleship happen by just doing life together? How, how does that happen? You know, a, a lot of discipleship happens in this togetherness, in this fellowship, in, in these time, times that we spend together. It just happens naturally, but also supernaturally because the work of the Spirit, which is a supernatural power, but happens just kind of organically as you're doing life together because when you're in, with other believers together, you know, you're, you're talking, you're intentional about, you know, talking about the things of the Lord. You know, you're, you're talking about your, 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 the scriptures, you're, you're reading the Bible, you know, you're praying, you're serving, you're, you're doing family God's way, which isn't normal, you know, worship, evangelism, fellowship. So just as you're together and, you, you know, you're involved in, in talking about the things of the Lord and those are your priorities, the Lord works in, in, through those relationships. So dads, are we spending intentional time together with our kids and showing them what it looks like to be a man of God? Is, is our, our homes a place of ministry, a, a, a center of discipleship? Before we go out to all nations, it starts at home. It starts with our kids. And so maybe, maybe you say, hey, I don't have kids, Tim, so what does this have to do with me? Well, have you been, how long have you been walking with the Lord? Have you, I'm sure there's, if, even if you've been walking with the Lord for a year, there's probably someone who's been walking with the just starting to walk with the Lord for a month. Hey, you can share with them. This is what the Lord's done in me this past year. This is what I've learned. I don't know much. I don't have much scripture memorized. I'm not a theologian. But you can, you know, be together with that newer believer or a new believer, someone who's younger in the faith. And as you're together with them, be intentional about talking about the things of the Lord, being uh, involved in, in the things of the Lord, your community groups. Um, that's not what they're called here. They have a cool name. What's it called? House to house? House to house, yeah. He's got some real cool names and stuff, and I follow the social media. But it's like, th- th- that's what I'm talking about, the house to house. That's togetherness. Hey, let's, let's go to the house to house. Let's, let's be with other believers. Let's talk about what the Lord's doing in our lives. Let's share testimonies. Let's encourage one another. Let's sing songs to the Lord. Let's pray for one another. So as we're involved in these things and we're together in these things, the Lord works and disciples are made. And so... You know, and, and this is important. This isn't just a, a, a calling. The Great Commission isn't for missionaries and pastors. It's for all believers. This is for all of us to do. We're all supposed to do that. And, and so, you know, and, and some of us have that struggle where it's like, but who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough Christian. I don't, I think, I, I'm not that good at this Christianity thing. I, I, I know the, the wickedness in my heart or my, the sins and the struggles that I have, or I don't have that much wisdom in, in, in knowledge. But you see, if, if you're, you, the, the enemy lies to us and tells us, you, you can't do this. You're not good enough. And, and then what happens? We're not intentional about, you know, making disciples and investing in others because we're listening to those lies. We, it, it's an encouragement for us to, you know, be committed to the Lord when we're doing life together with others. And so, um, Paul, and so Paul and Timothy, they had this special relationship. They, they were together on mission, visiting churches, encouraging believers, planning churches, preaching, teaching, but they weren't always together. Something that's cool is Paul, you know, we see that Paul, uh, you know, after a season of them traveling together and serving together, Timothy would be sent out by Paul to go and visit these churches that Paul had planted and check on them and see how they're doing. And, And so there were seasons of ministry that maybe we, we see in the New Testament that Paul and Timothy, they, they couldn't be together. The God was doing different things with them in different places. But, but you know how they were together? They were together in prayer. 2 Timothy 1.3 says, I thank God 
whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. So for in those seasons of life that maybe they're not together, they're not doing life together, they're not doing ministry together, they're together with one another in prayer. And so, um, you know, and, and, and that's also for parents with grown kids. It's hard. You know, you've spent, you know, maybe those however many 18 years plus, you know, investing in them, discipling, but then now you're like, I miss them. I can't be together. Or maybe you're like, no, I, it's nice. I can breathe and have space. It's like, I don't know, but it's like after that season, it's like maybe you're not doing life as much with your kids or in a different dynamic now, but you can always be together with them in prayer. You can always be together with them as you pray for them, as you thank the Lord for them. And so, um, yeah, and, and, that, and that's the thing, similar. So lived with Andrew about 12 years ago, him and Brittany. And it's like we haven't been together that much over the past decade. He's come down to Columbia, I think, twice since I've been there. Came for my wedding, came for a missions trip. You know, I've come here every few years, sometimes every year. And so we, we get to see each other. We talk on the phone, you know, a couple times a year, as much as we possibly can. But even though maybe we don't have that closeness of doing life together like we once did, I know he's together with me in prayer. I know he's praying for me. And, I know, and he knows that I'm together with him in prayer. So we continue that relationship as we pray for one another. And so for me, that, that's also why this is a very special morning just to be here at Solus because I feel like I've been together with you all in a while for prayer because since Solus was planted five, six years ago, you know, I've been following the ministry, praying for this ministry, and so now to be together here with you, it's cool. And I already feel like that, that family, that, that connection, that love because I've been together with you all in prayer. And so prayer has power, prayer works. That is all part of this togetherness is, is, you know, being intentional about having that time of doing life together, being around and involved in the things of the Lord together, and then together with one another in prayer. Prayer is powerful. And so, yeah, so we talked about togetherness. Now we're going to get to the, the second one, which is, is teaching. We're going to talk about the teaching part of the discipleship, the relationship with Paul and Timothy. And teaching simply defined here is just imparting knowledge, imparting knowledge, teaching, teaching them the word of God, teaching the truth. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 14 through 17 says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's prof profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we'll start talking to the dads a little bit here. So dads, as we look at these verses, and Paul's talking to Timothy about what he's learned. He grew up uh, around hearing the scriptures. You know, he, he had that from the childhood. He, he'd been hearing the scriptures. He'd been hearing the truth. He'd been learning the truth. And then it talks about the power of the scriptures. It says, it says right there that um, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we want our kids to be wise, right? We want our kids to be wise. We want our kids to be saved. We want our kids to have salvation. And we want our kids to have faith, to live by faith. And then, and then as it says, it talks about what the, what the scripture does it's for correction, for instruction, for righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We want our, who, who doesn't want their kids to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work? 
And not just our kids, also the people we're discipling. The idea is as they grow in the, in the relationship with God, as we're doing that life together with them, we're teaching them the truth. We see the power of God helping them grow in their faith so that they can be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. They can be wise. So faith, we want them to grow in their faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by God's word. So teaching is teaching the scriptures, teaching them the word of God. My son is seven. I, I can't force faith on him. I can drag him to church, but I, I can't save him. I can't make him saved. I can't say, oh, he's a pastor's son, or he's a, so he's going to heaven. He's for sure. He's got, God will let him in. No, no I can't force that on him. I, I can't convince him that you have to follow Jesus. You have to live a certain way. You have to say, no, I can't do that. But what can I do? I can teach him the word of God. Pray for him. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by God's word. Pray that as he hears God's word, he will, the Lord will do, do a work in him so that he can live by faith in the word and live for the Lord. And so we need to teach our kids and we need to teach whoever it is that we're discipling the truth of God's word. And we know that the word says the word of God doesn't return void. It's going to do a work. And so it, maybe you say, but hey, Tim, that's easy for you to say you teach your son the word. You're a Bible teacher. That's you and Andrew. That's what you guys do. But who am I? How am I supposed to teach my kids the Bible? I don't do that. That's, that's not my thing. You know, it, it's, it's pretty simple, really. You, you, you don't have to overcomplicate it. You know, we, we can read the Bible and just talk about it. It's that simple. We don't have to have all the answers and have a seminary degree and, and just all this theological understanding of the deep things of God to disciple our kids and disciple other believers. We don't have to. We can just read the scriptures and let's have conversation about it. And maybe we don't know all the answers. Maybe we can't figure out what, what is that supposed to say? What does that really mean? Thank God for all the amazing resources we have. There's so many resources to help us understand God's word. Besides just texting Andrew every time, hey, what does this mean in the, Figure it out. Get a study Bible. You know, look, there's so many different resources that can help us understand God's word. So as we can look at the word together and just talk about it, what does it mean? How can we live this out? It has power to transform lives. The word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it's, it's, it's a living book that can transform lives. And so and the power isn't in how good you can articulate and explain and break down the word. That, that The power isn't in that. The power is in the message of the cross. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the word. And so it, it, the power is if, if you just open the word and trust in the Lord and, and, and take that step of faith, even maybe it's uncomfortable or awkward or not your thing, and you're like, hey, let's, let's just maybe on once a week or twice a week, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell you how many times, you don't have to be legalistic about it, but figure out that those times and those places and those spaces where you can be together, open the Bible and talk about it with your kids. If you don't have kids, you're not parents, with another believer, someone else that you know is new in the Lord and hungry to learn. Hey, let's get a coffee. What have you been reading? What, have you been reading the Bible? No, I haven't been reading the Bible. Well, you should do that first off. So encourage <laughs> them to read the Bible. And then it's like, hey, well, let's read through this book together and let's, and let's talk about it. And as we talk about it, we can encourage one another and we can grow together in this knowledge and understanding of God's word. And it's so important in this, this day and age that we're living in, in this culture. I mean, it's, I, mean I, I live in a different culture, but <laughs> I, I follow social media. I, I follow the news. It probably, but it's like I, I, I 
either way down there, it's, there's darkness too, a lot of darkness, maybe different things, but, but it's like this culture, this society, there's just so many lies, so many lies just being pushed on our children, being pushed on our families, being pushed on us, and sometimes we can't even identify if it's a lie or not, and so that's just so important to have the, the, the truth of God's word to just be washing over us and washing our family with the water of the word. It's so important. With so many lies, so much darkness, the light and truth of God's word is more needed than ever before. It's always been needed, but it's so necessary that we're intentional about just opening the word, having these conversations about it, studying together. And there's so many different resources. I already mentioned that of, of just to help us, even for kids too. There's just, I mean, kid, kids' Bibles, there's the online Bible app for kids is really cool, interactive. You know, those are things, too, if you've got little kids. Like, the resources are there. There's really no excuses. And so, yeah, um, Paul taught Timothy God's word. He, he taught him the truth. He, taught, he, he imparted this knowledge to him. As Tim, Tim grew up with this, uh, around the scriptures, as we saw there, uh, Timothy really, or Paul really was intentional about helping him to really just go deeper and have this greater understanding and see the importance and power of God's word. And, and he did this for Tim. So Paul taught Tim the word so that Tim could teach others the word. That's what it says in 2 Timothy 2 2. And these things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he's, all right, I'm going to teach you this. Now you go and teach others. And so this is where our next point comes in is, is he trained him in the ministry. And so we're going to talk about training now. So we talked about um, togetherness. T, teaching, now training. Alliteration is a blast. I have to do this more often. And so uh, training. And so you can look at training and training and teaching and even think maybe it's not like the same thing. So that's why I said teaching, imparting knowledge. Now training is imparting experience. Let me give you an example. So training is a form of teaching, but, but it's distinct. So it, I can teach my son surfing or about surfing by showing him really cool videos. Jamie O'Brien videos are hilarious, you know, sending it, shredding, um, you know, just getting after it in the water and just like, you know, I can show them these videos and say, hey, this is what surfing's all about. So this is, this is a tube, this is, and I can explain to him, you know, this is what you want to do, you know, uh, you want to go left here, and we can talk about the different types of boards, we can talk about the waves, we can talk about the tides, and we can just have these conversations, and, and I can teach him, the, impart this knowledge about surfing, so he knows about the boards, he knows about the tides, he knows about the waves, and he's got all this head knowledge, but he'll never become a surfer without training. He's never going to shred the gnar unless I get him in the water. He might be able to like know about shredding the gnar and watch a video like, oh, that's a gnarly shredder. Look at that like, oh, that little uh, um, cutback or roundhouse move like or this tubular, that long left point break. He might be able to talk the talk and actually sound like a surfer and have this head knowledge about surfing, right? But if, if he never gets on a board and gets in the water, and I don't, get, I don't get with him in the water with him on a board, and, and, and I start training him of saying, no, 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 you want to put your foot a little bit further back there. No, 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 no. you, you want to go left on that wave and helping him to see and understand, hey, this, this wave breaks this way. This is how you catch the wave. This is when you paddle. It, 
he's never going to become a surfer. So you see the, the difference between teaching and training. So now training, we're getting in the water. We're getting the experience. We're figuring this, this out to, to help him to become what I, what I want him to become or what he wants to become. He loves surfing. Even I didn't have to make him a, a, convince him to surf. He actually went yesterday like with my wife, took him down surfing like without me. I'm like, awesome. Love it. And so training is, is now he's getting his own personal experience. He's got the head knowledge, but now he's really learning how to take that knowledge and, and learn experience and become a surfer. You know, Proverbs 22, 6 is the classic children's ministry verse. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We need to train our children in the way of Jesus. We need to train them in the way of Jesus. So how do we do that? It's, it's more than just showing them these videos and giving them all this knowledge and this information in their heads. And not just with our, our, our it's, it's getting them, helping them to have an experience with Jesus. Helping them to really know and experience God's love and for them to receive that love. And, we, you know, we love him because he first loved us. And now they're loving the Lord and living for their Lord and getting their own experience with the Lord. It's training them. And so... That, that's what discipleship is. It's more than just, a discipleship isn't just a, a disciple, like a lot of the churches around here, let's go to a discipleship class. And I'm not saying anything bad about discipleship classes because part of discipleship is getting that knowledge right, but, it's, but you, you're not becoming a disciple by just getting more information and head knowledge if you don't know how to love. It's the most important thing. And so if you don't love the Lord and you don't love others, who cares what you know? That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. The first part of 1 Corinthians 13 is the classic wedding chapter. It's all about, it's the love chapter. Talks about all about love. It's literally like, okay, you can speak in tongues. Oh, you're super generous. Oh, you've got all these good works. Oh, you've got a lot of faith. Oh, you, you, you can do all these good things, but you don't love. Who cares? I don't care what you can do. I don't care what you know. I don't care how much faith you have. I don't care if you've got all these other things. If there's no love, it's all worth nothing. And so, so the most important thing is they want them to have this experience where they can experience God's love and really learn to love the Lord. And love's a fruit of the Spirit. So we want to train them to be spiritual people that are full of God's Spirit, walking in God's Spirit. And so the, the, the relationship between Paul and Timothy was a relationship of training, training specifically in the ministry. Not all of you are going to train your kids in the ministry. Because not all your kids are maybe called to full-time ministry. I mean, we want our kids all to serve. You know, we should all serve the Lord. That's a calling for all believers, not just uh, the pastors and missionaries and church staff. We want our kids to, yeah, learn to serve. But, but, so, but Paul saw this calling in Timothy. He saw who the Lord had created him to be and really wanted to train him to become who God had created him to be. So we want to look at our kids. We want to pray for our kids. And we want to see those gifts, those talents, those callings that they have. And we want to do our best to train them, but specifically Train up a child in the way he should go, not just to be successful, not just to make a lot of money, not just to be a good kid from a good family that goes to good school and gets a good job, but to be a disciple that loves the Lord with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so, so yeah, Paul was training Timothy in the ministry. Not everyone has that call, calling, but, but one of the best ways to train is by setting an example. When I get in the water with my, my boy and I'm helping him serve, I'm like, all right, so this is how you pop up. You know, this is, this is how you do that. And 
maybe not the best example. I know there's some shredders in here that shred are probably way better examples than I am. But it's like, but I'm still giving an example, and that's how you learn. And that's what Paul did with Timothy. You know, after traveling with him, serving with him together in the ministry, teaching him God's word, he sent him out as a minister. And it's cool because um, we see this in, in several of, of Paul's letters. It, it, we're gonna look, we'll look at three quickly. Um, I don't know how we're doing on time. I know Andrew usually doesn't care much about time if I'm right. Um, so I'll just keep going. Um, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're on the last point. Um, so yeah. Uh, so we're talking about, so Paul sent Timothy out to visit these churches. So now this is his training. He's like, hey, I've showed you how to do this ministry as you've come alongside me. You've been together with me. We've gone to visit these churches. You've seen how I do uh, this discipleship thing, teaching them, encouraging them, helping them, planning churches. Now, Time to train you. Now it's your turn. You go and do it. So he went to, he sent him to Thessalonica. We see in 1 Thessalonians 3, 6. But now that Timothy has come from us, come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Also, he sent him to Corinth. We see in 1 Corinthians 4, 17. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who's my beloved and faithful son of the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everyone, everywhere in every church. And then also Philippi, this is some, I love these verses here. Philippians 2, 19 to 22, says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. I love that. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. So he, as Paul spent this time together with Tim, teaching him uh, the truth, he also really trained him to have to think in the same way. He trained him the, the, to think in the right way because it's one thing teaching him, hey, this is how you do it, but to really, this, this is why we do it. This is, this is, this is, this is what, what I'm thinking when I do this. And so, and it says that it, it this wasn't common. It says, it says in verse 21 that all seek their own, not the things of which are of Christ Jesus. He's saying, hey, I've got these other guys I work with, or there's so many other believers, but really, Tim's the, Tim's the man for the job. He's, he, he's got it down. He's been trained. He, he, he's, he's not thinking about himself. He, he's, he's, thinking about, he's not thinking about what's best for him. He's thinking about what, what, what is best for the church of Christ, what is best for the people. And so, yeah, it, it's nor, and, and that's true today. All seek their own. Today, it's normal for people to be selfish, right? It, it's normal. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's our fallen nature. By nature, we're, we, we're first person we think about every day is ourselves. And we're constantly on our own minds. And, and most people, especially ones who don't know Jesus, what are they living for? They're living for themselves. More money, more happiness, more pleasure, comfortable life. Me, 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 me. And so that's the normal way of thinking, but Timothy had a different mind because Paul had trained him to have this heart and mind of Christ that we see earlier in, in Philippians 2, in that same chapter, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So he, he, he's tr trained him to have this mind of Christ so that he can think of and care for God's people. He was selfish. He was selfless. He was a man of character. This is why Paul trained him and sent him out to visit these other's churches. And so 
Um, we know that Timothy was young and, and, and learning from Paul, and he probably struggled being a young you know, minister and feeling worthy, feeling prepared, feeling qualified to go out and minister to these churches. And then the, we already did the classic children's ministry verse. Now we're going to go to the classic youth group verse. 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. So Paul is training him reassuring him that despite your age, despite your weaknesses, despite your, your struggles, your imperfections, he had a calling to fulfill, and the Lord was going to equip him for that. And it, you've heard it said probably, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And it's true, it's true. God equipped Timothy using Paul to train him in the way of the Lord. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? And then he, we also saw in... Uh, Ephesians 5, or you all saw in Ephesians 5 a few weeks back, that we should be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love, right? And so the best way of doing training is setting this example for, for, for the people to follow. That's what Paul did. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Nobody's going to imitate Christ and God perfectly because then we'd be God, <laughs> right? So no, no one can do that perfectly. We're going to fall short. And sometimes it's a struggle when you're discipling others or you're discipling your kids, especially as your kids get older and they start to see your weaknesses and your struggles and they start to notice, wait, mom and dad aren't perfect. Wait, what? And then the people that you're, you're discipling, they're going to see these, these shortcomings, these failures. And you see, and that's when we want to disciple them in the gospel of grace. Making this, you don't have to be perfect to make disciples. It, and, and so as you fall short, as you have these struggles, as the, they start to see your imperfections, you disciple them in what it means to be truly repentant, what it means to ask for forgiveness, what it means to forgive. And so that, that's what it is. So that, that's how you train them to have this understanding of the gospel of grace, to live out the gospel of grace. So, yeah, dads, moms, words of affirmation, right? Dads exhortation, we can be better. Let's be better at discipling our kids. Let's be better. We can all be better. No one here is doing it perfectly. I'm not up here telling you that I'm like a super dad. Far from it. This has been really encouraging for me as the Lord's ministered to me. Wow, I need to get better in this being together, you know, being there more. And when I'm there, be completely there, you know. The teaching, be more intentional about opening the word, not just a quick Bible reading, okay, good night, go to sleep, it's bedtime, but really, you know, teaching the truth, imparting that knowledge, training, looking at who the Lord's created my son to be and helping him to grow and become that man with, with the power of, of God and his, his grace. So, so let's be better. Let's, let's disciple our kids. And for those of you who aren't, um, you, you know, dads, let's, let's be a community Soulless, let's, I'm including myself, I'm part of this community. So it's like, yeah, let's be a community that are, are intentional about making disciples, of being together with other believers, of, of really teaching the truth, sharing the truth of God's word with others, training others in the way of the Lord and how to follow the Lord and live for the Lord. Not perfectly, well, we're going to fall short, but when we do, we train them in what is the gospel of grace all about? Repentance, forgiveness, right? Amen? So let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Soulless Church. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. Thank you for the dads in this place, Lord. Thank you that we, as fathers, have the best example. We have a perfect father, which is you. Father in heaven, there's no one like you. And I thank you for allowing us to have a relationship with you. 
to really know you, to experience you, to experience your love, to hear you speak to us through your word. Oh, Lord, we, we recognize how much we need your amazing grace every single day. Every day, Lord, we, without you, we can't do anything. And so, God, as we want to live on mission and, and make disciples of all nations, but we want to start at home, we want to start with our families, we want to start with our kids, God, help us. Help us to, to just be full of wisdom, to be full of your spirit, be full of your love, because we can do all the other things, but if we don't have love, it doesn't matter. So, Lord, pour out your love in our hearts by your spirit, oh God. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us, and we worship you. We worship you. You are worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. So we worship you, Lord, as we close out this time of study, God. We want to sing to you, for you are good. You are good. We love you. We praise you. We exalt the name of Jesus in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.